When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome into the Hard Count, the people show for every single thing that you know and that you love about this beautiful game that happens here every single day. We got a lot to talk about. We are heading into, in my opinion, one of the most dangerous times in the college football media space. And so I want us to all get very close together, lock arms and be careful right now because we're heading into hot take season. Everybody is going to have some outlandish take that this team is going to win the national championship. This person is going to win the Heisman. Let's all calm down just a little bit. Way too early for that. I just wanted to give you a word of caution as we proceed into this time. We're going to get through it together. It's not going to be forever because when the games are being played, those takes will all end up elsewhere. Okay? Don't worry about it. Like I said, a ton, a ton, a ton to talk about. The transfer portal is now closed in terms of those that are trying to enter it. Another wave of that will happen post-spring, but if you're already in the portal, you can still commit. A.D. Mitchell jumped in the portal at the last second, buzzer-beater fashion. A lot of smoke around where he might go, but let's talk about the superlatives from the people that we do know are going different places. What are the biggest impact? What could send the biggest ripple effect? What has the most upside? What are some of the biggest shockers so far from this first transfer portal wave? We got superlatives for you. Had a lot of fun making that one. Also going to talk about the Jaden Rashada saga, if you will. It reads like a Netflix documentary. It is very much so still developing, very much so fluid. So we're going to give you our thoughts on that so far and just kind of take a pulse of that whole situation because we have not talked about it on this show, you and I. So I want to make sure we discuss that. First year head coaches, got to get a report card. This is the time of the year. We handed one out to Quinn Ewers on our last live show, I believe. We're going to give six different first-year head coaches a grade. And we don't do the A through F scale here on the hard count. It's not how this program operates, but we do have a grade for them nonetheless. Going to give you our thoughts there in its entirety. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to the Twitter sphere today, but Ole Miss has been getting after it in regards to the quarterback position in the quarterback room. They added not one, but two transfer quarterbacks in the last, I believe it was like 48 hours, Walker Howard from LSU, Spencer Sanders from Oklahoma State, both taking their talents to Oxford. You'll remember they already have one transfer quarterback that's a year into the system that started for them last year, Jackson Dart. So three kind of feels like a crowd. Let me give you our thoughts on that and it is, as it is right now the most interesting quarterback room in the world, not just college football. Like I said, hot take season, be careful. We do not participate on that in this show. So just with that out of the way, let's get after it. A lot to unpack here. Transfer portal superlatives. We got them for you. Hot and ready. Come get after it. There has been a ton that's happened through this first portal cycle in the new portal windows that we have. And we're going to get a second wave of this. A lot of guys are going to go through spring practice, figure out where they sit on the depth chart and figure out what they want out of their career and what they want out of the 2023 season. But there are some very big movers and shakers that I think we need to address. So I got a couple superlatives for you. And the first one being biggest impact. The biggest impact in my mind from this first portal cycle or first portal window, rather, 
Sam Hartman of Notre Dame. You'll remember there was a lot of buzz around him potentially jumping into the transfer portal after the bowl game. That's even before the bowl game began, that after the game ended, he would jump in. He eventually did, was pretty much cut and dry. Notre Dame was kind of the only leader in the clubhouse for him, it felt like, and he ended up doing that. The reason why this is the biggest impact, do we all understand what this could mean for Notre Dame? Do we all understand what adding a different element to this offense could mean for them? They averaged around 200 yards passing a game last season, and they won nine games. Eight in the regular season, one in the bowl game. To now add someone like Sam Hartman, who's extremely established, played college football for what feels like forever now. He's getting in Stetson Bennett ter ter territory in terms of the jokes you can make now. It feels like he's the missing piece because you ran for right around 200 yards a year ago. You only allowed 23 points a game. I'm not backing down from this. This is not a, a part of hot take season. This is just, I think, a very reasonable thing to say. Adding a dynamic quarterback to Notre Dame, you now have, in theory, a capable passing game, which is more than what you could say they had a year ago. No knock on Drew Pine. You have a run game that's going to average, you would imagine, north of 150 yards. And you have a defense that brings a lot of pieces back and could be really, really exciting again. And Marcus Freeman's a defensive head coach, so the guys they are having to replace, I feel comfortable about what they're going to do on that side of the football. So you check a lot of boxes. I think Notre Dame can be a New Year's Six Bowl team. Maybe even do a little bit more damage than that. We're going to save that kind of talk for when we get closer to the season. We're not trafficking in, in hot take season, but Sam Hartman, for me, so far in this portal season, the biggest impact. If you're not yet subscribed to the On3 YouTube channel, we would love to have you at the party. We got a lot to unpack here as we get closer and closer to college football. Yes, we're already talking about that. The games are coming here soon, but we got content for you every single day. Don't want you to miss out on that. Also, follow me on the socials at Jody Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. Lock in with us there. Travis Hunter transferred from Jackson State to Colorado. Defensive back, wide receiver. For me, that is the biggest statement of this entire transfer portal first-time window. The reason with that being, he's undoubtedly going to help Colorado on the field. Like, that's not, I don't think, a debate. Probably walks in there today is the best player on that roster. Was the number one player in the transfer portal, according to us here at On3. And the reason why this is a statement, think about the message this sends to everybody else across the country. Think about what this, this message is to another five-star player, maybe at the high school level, or another big-time player that's in the portal currently. It says, I have so much to accomplish. I have so much I still want to do. There's some risk involved. Going to a coach in Deion Sanders, first FBS job. Not a bad thing, just means the sample size is non-existent. I trust him with my development. Yeah, you could have gone to Georgia. Yeah, you could have gone to another big FBS school and gone somewhere that was more proven, quote unquote. But Travis Hunter says, no, with my development, with what I want to do with my career, Deion Sanders is the best person for me to help me get to where I want to go. And so I think seeing someone like Travis Hunter go first, now all the other players that have a lot that they want to accomplish now view Colorado a little bit differently. Hey, Travis Hunter, he's the number one player in the portal. He went to Colorado. Good enough for his development, good enough for me. That's, I think, the angle you can now take. Now the, the pitch you can make if you're Deion Sanders at Colorado. So for me, this was the biggest statement, that you can do whatever you want to do at Colorado. 
Now they're going to have to take it to the field. They're going to have to eventually get between the white lines. It might take a second, but having someone like Travis Hunter, I believe, is a signal fire to the rest of the other individuals, again, at the high school level or the transfer portal. You can get it done at Colorado. The sneakiest addition for me of this year's portal window, portal one window rather, Desan McCullough transferred from Indiana to Oklahoma. This guy is a dude, y'all. Edge rusher, six foot five, 230 pounds, had four sacks last year at Indiana. And this is a name that you probably heard about maybe in passing, but wasn't one of those household names like Travis Hunter or like Devin Leary or Grayson McCall when he was in the portal for a brief period of time. Didn't have that same flash. What Desan McCullough, McCullough is going to bring to Oklahoma is exactly what Brent Venable's defense needs. Think about those great defenses that he had at Clemson. Always had some studs on the defensive line, right? Studs, but also freakishly versatile, which is what Desan McCullough brings to the table here. Great speed, great length. Again, six foot five. He's a guy that can play in this system. He can rush the passer, can also peel off really quickly and run with the running back on a swing route. That's the kind of versatility this defense requires. And I believe Oklahoma didn't have that in spades last year. They didn't have as much of it as they needed. I'm not going to say they didn't have it in general. I'm going to say they didn't have as much as they needed. So adding Desan McCullough, it's not the name that you were looking at on the, on the portal wire maybe and watching. And when you saw that you got Desan McCullough as an Oklahoma fan, you weren't like, oh, great. That's a program changer. Let me tell you this. I, I believe he is that caliber of player. I really do. And he's got a long time to play football still as well. Most upside could have given this one to Desan McCullough as well. But I think Jaheim Bell going from South Carolina to Florida State is a very big addition. Jaheim Bell, obviously a tight end at South Carolina. I say obviously, it may not have been that obvious. Because if you turned on the tape and watched some South Carolina football, you saw zero lining up at running back, saw him at Wildcat quarterback, saw him split out. There's a lot he can do for you. I don't know that we've really seen him play his best football yet because he hasn't really been a true tight end just yet. And you pair him with all that they still have in Tallahassee with Jordan Travis saying, run that back turbo, Leo DiCaprio season, I'm not leaving. You got Micah Pittman, you got Johnny Wilson. You have so many weapons now in this arsenal for Florida State where I think Jaheim Bell can really flourish. Because he was, in my opinion, one of two guys at, at South Carolina that could really hurt you when they decided to throw the football. I guess they had Josh Van as well. So I, I won't be brutal on South Carolina. I'm just saying I think Jaheim Bell is in a really good spot at Florida State. His talent paired with all they have coming back, I think it, it has potential to be really exciting for Florida State. And if, if they can take that next step as an offense and Jaheim Bell can – help Jordan Travis take that next step as a quarterback, they will be the New Year's Six Bowl team. Okay? So keep an eye on Jaheim Bell for me. Just another huge weapon they add from Tallahassee. So now we're going to move into the shocker category, the biggest shockers, if you will. And I have Alabama and Auburn as my biggest shockers because they haven't taken a quarterback yet in the portal. And to me, this whole conversation around this being a shocking development so far is about your expectations. What do you expect from the programs? We'll start with Alabama. You probably expect them to compete for a national championship. You probably expect them to, at the very least, make the college football playoff. And if you don't expect that of Alabama internally and within that fan base, they do expect that. So you got to replace Bryce Young. What's left for you in that quarterback room is Jalen Milrow and Ty Simpson. 
both players that are highly recruited have a lot of tools but if you want to win the national championship next year do you believe that ty simpson or jalen Milrow can do that for you they, they very well could i'm not sitting here telling you they can't get that done but i'm telling you if you're alabama with all the quarterbacks that were available in the portal whether it was sam hartman whether it was devin leary whoever you were looking at those would be more established more proven commodities and so with those kind of expectations i would expect a proven commodity to be a plug and play for bama with all the talent they have so to flip this on its head a little bit if you're an alabama fan the silver lining could be you must feel pretty good about what you have in house now during this second transfer portal wave i would imagine there's a quarterback or two that becomes available but i don't know if it's better than what you already have in house i think there was some really good options now i think you are staying with what you already have so that to me was surprising i thought alabama nick saban would be on offense to go and get someone to replace a bryce young because Bryce Young made up for a lot of what they didn't have last year. And if you take Bryce Young off that team from last year, they might be somewhere around three or four losses. Okay, so a little bit surprised they didn't take a quarterback. For Auburn, going back to that conversation about expectations, what do you expect of your Auburn Tiger football team? Do you expect 10 wins? If you do, I don't believe Robbie Ashford is the guy to do it. He very well could be. Sounds like Hugh Freeze and his staff really like him. So I don't want to overstep there. I just haven't seen it yet. I know he was hurt this year. Still, even with that being said, completed 49% of his passes. It's hard to win 10 games when you're completing 49% of your passes with seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. Really good athlete. Maybe a, a, a match made in heaven. A lot of football left for him to be played. But if you expect to win 10 games... I would be confused why you wouldn't go after somebody else, like a, a Devin Leary. And it sounds like you did go after Devin Leary, but you missed out there. So you had smoke around some other quarterbacks that would maybe give me a little bit more assurance that 10 wins is on the table. Now, if you expect to win eight games, which is a solid step up from this past season, I think Robbie Ashford can do that for you. I think that's very realistic. So again, it's all married to expectations of what you want for next year. If you're cool with eight wins, Robbie Ashford's probably your guy. And that would, like I said, that would be an improvement from this past year. But to me, it was a little bit puzzling. Two programs that I thought would be on offense going to get a quarterback, haven't done it yet. We'll see what happens in the second portal window. But for me, those superlatives from biggest impact, Sam Hartman, I think he's going to make Notre Dame really, really exciting to watch, which is fun to say and fun to think about. I think the biggest statement out of this transfer portal cycle travis hunter to colorado man if you're a five-star if you're a big time player you have no reason now to not go to colorado because travis hunter's doing it and he's got as much at stake as anybody the sneakiest ad for me desan mccullough he's gonna be a guy i'm telling you he fits perfectly in that scheme he's long he's fast he brings a lot to the table that fits exactly with what brennan venables wants within that defense the most upside jaheem bell he's played everything but tight end it feels like the last year at south carolina no knock on south carolina they just had to get their best player of the football and putting him at running back was the best way to do it at florida state that won't be the case quite as frequently so pairing him with all they have in tallahassee with jordan travis coming back another year I think there's some really big upside there. So again, the transfer portal will open again. Open Sesame post-spring practice. It'll be a lot of fun. We'll have another round of this when that happens 
or when that portal closes again finally. But for us, those are the superlatives right now as the portal stands currently. Transfer portal is fun, man. You, you, it's, it's one of the reasons why we have this show. And I say why we have this show in terms of why it exists. Transfer portal, NIL, all of it that contributes to college football being a year-round sport. That adds to college football being a year-round sport because it wasn't already. All right, here we go. Jaden Rashada and the entire story around him in Florida and him asking for a release from his letter of intent has read like a Netflix documentary. We haven't discussed it yet on this platform. You and I haven't had to talk about it. I think it's about time we do that. To give you the Spark Notes version, Jaden Rashada, really good quarterback out of Northern California. He signed with the Florida Gators. Before that, he was committed to Miami. He flips sometime, I believe, in the fall, flips to Florida, signs with Florida. There was some uneasiness because he, I guess, was one of the later players to sign in that class. And so they were saying, okay, hey, What's going on here? Eventually signs. Seems like it's all good. And the rumor, actually not even rumor, the report from The Athletic was the contract was for somewhere in the neighborhood of $13 million in NIL to bring him to Florida. Now, he requested out of his letter of intent because essentially that wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to be able to give him that $13 million, whether it was they weren't going to be able to, whether it was because they backed off that, they being the good folks that are in charge of NIL around the Florida program, the collectives, the Gator Collective, the Gator Guard. There's more details that we could go into. We won't right now. But the reality is the $13 million that was agreed upon was not going to be coming to Jane Rashada. As a result, he says, you know what? Thank you, but no thank you. I'd like to request out of my letter of intent. And that is still being processed at the time of us being live right now at 1.18 p.m. Central Standard. At a certain point, if you're Jaden Rashada, and I say Jaden Rashada, the Jaden Rashada camp, because I don't believe it's just this high school senior, you're going to be a college freshman making all the decisions. On his side of things, at a certain point, is the opportunity cost of committing to a third school worth it? I say opportunity cost, what it would cost in terms of just reputation. I don't know if it's going to take, I don't want to get too much into that. What it would cost you, is it worth it? Because now you're going to have to address this the rest of your career, likely. And when you get ready for the NFL draft, your name is now a topic of debate for a reason that I wouldn't say is blatantly positive. You lose the exposure, likely, of playing in the SEC. There's a lot of smoke around him potentially picking a Pac-12 school. And in general, if $13 million was what you were after, if NIL really is the end game here, if that's what is, is going to cause you to commit to a school, the camp from Rashada has said that's not the reason, but if NIL is really going to be what the deal breaker is here. Are you going to get a similar figure at whatever the next school is? Because $13 million, I would have to imagine if he wasn't going to get $13 million, it'd be somewhere that, that isn't just insulting. I don't think it's $13 million or you get nothing. Let's pretend it's $13 million or it's $5 million. Are you going to get $5 million going somewhere else paired with all the other things that I just said? Is it really worth it? Is the opportunity cost worth it? My dad has great advice, someone I go to often when I need wisdom. And he said, 
to some extent, it's about making the decision great, not just making the great decision. And I think this case for a shot is a little bit of the exception in some sense because there was a contract that was agreed upon of an amount and it didn't happen. So I understand that. But with all these other things that come with it for having to go to another school, is it really worth it? Or would there be a way to make that decision of going to Florida great? It's asking a lot in the situation. I can't say I wouldn't feel the same if I was Jaden Rashada. I would feel slighted, but that's my question. Was there a way to make the decision great? Was there a way to avoid all of these things that are now coming with you going to another school? If you're not yet subscribed, we'd love to have you here. Follow me on the socials, at J.D. Piquel. On Twitter and on Instagram, we do college football content every single day on the hard count. A lot to unpack, as you can tell. Right now, they're telling us that it's the offseason. Doesn't feel like that to me. We've got a ton to unpack, and we're going to keep getting after it throughout the duration of the spring and the summer and well into when we're playing games. All right? Make sure you're locked in with us. So that's the Jaden Rashada side of things. That's the Rashada camp. And to be honest... It's probably not all on Jaden Rashad. To be honest, the majority of this, the majority of the blame, if you two were, if you were to assign it, a lot of it would go towards Florida. Because now, Florida had adults in the room that had a contract that is reported by The Athletic that they are not following through on. And this does not reflect well on Florida. Because in the day of NIL, in the day and age of player acquisition, NIL being a big part of that, you are now having to, at best, explain yourself to the majority of recruits that come through Florida. Hey, coach, I love Florida, but what happened with Jaden Rashada? What happened with that NIL thing? Talk to me about that. Help me understand that so I can feel better about coming to your school. At worst, you're probably missing out on some kids now. At the worst case, you're probably not going to have access to 100% of the guys that you had access to before. And maybe it's not a, a large percentage you're missing out on, but... It's, it's a percentage nonetheless. Because right now, with NIL being so new, there's a lot of this still that we don't know publicly. There's a lot of NIL that still feels like it's, it's not super well-known. And in the day and age of, of NIL where things aren't super well-known and you're still trying to figure everything out, the last thing you want to be known as, the last thing you want to provide is hesitation for anyone. And now other coaches can go into the living room for recruiting against Florida and say, do you really want to go to Florida? How much do they offer you in NIL? Are you going to get that? Are you sure? Because Jaden Rashada didn't. At the, I mean, at the end of the day, Jaden Rashada, if he goes to another school, and we hope he does very transparently, I wish the best for Jaden Rashada. I root for him. This is a tough situation that a teenager should not have to handle. If he goes to another school, another Pac-12 school, stays close to home, and just balls out, it's going to be a funny story, right? Maybe not a funny story. It's going to be a learning experience. But it will be a story that he tells in the rearview mirror as he prepares for the NFL draft. He'll have to explain it. It'll be something he has to probably learn from, and it'll stick with him for a little bit. But this is not the end of Jaden Rashada by any stretch of the imagination. He can go and still accomplish everything he wants to accomplish. doesn't have to be. For Florida, this could send ripple effects. I don't think this is going to sink Florida, but this will take some time for them to recover from. I truly believe that. And I don't fault Billy Napier so much as I do the, the folks that are involved in the NIL and push this thing to the level that it got to. So 
you wish the best for Jane Rashada, you wish the best for Florida, but this could prove to be the cautionary tale for the future of the NIL landscape, both collectives and players alike, not to fly too close to the sun. I think this is a learning lesson for all of us, and like I said, definitely wish the best for, for all parties and wish the best for all parties involved, and I very much so hope we get a Netflix documentary out of this. I hope everything's fine, but I hope we get a great Netflix documentary out of this because that is something people deserve. All right, we're going to take some electrolytes here. For those of you locked in with us right now via podcast, whether on YouTube, we love y'all, man. The People Show. Let's freaking go. I'm going to get some, some electrolytes here. We'll keep on rolling. Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Again, if you are a podcast person, Apple and Spotify the way to go. But if you're tuned in live, we're able to interact in the live chat, so we appreciate that. It's report card season. We handed one out to Queen Ewers not too long ago. Let's hand out a report cards to six first-year head coaches. I say first year, not all of them their first time being a head coach. Some of them, yes, some of them, no. But all of these guys had their first year at a new program. And so I just want to kind of take an inventory of how their first year went. And report cards are definitely a, a thing that you use to learn from last year. But I think even more so, you look at your report card and you see where can I get better? What has to happen next? Next semester, next season, all that. So we're going to give you some grades. And we don't do grades on the A through F scale here. We have a little bit of a different grading system. You'll see what I mean by that. But nonetheless, let's jump into it. Brian Kelly, LSU. Went 10 and 4, and the knock on him coming to Notre Dame was is he going to be a fit? He's got that funny accent. Is he going to fit okay at LSU? Well, he won 10 games in his first year. The grade for Brian Kelly and for LSU right now is ahead of schedule. That is very much so a passing grade for those of you keeping track at home. The win total preseason was seven games. They won 10. You're not supposed to do that in year one. Remember how he inherited this program, a ton of talent, a ton of ability in-house, but what's the culture like? What is the operation, the mechanism, the way of doing things? What's the approach like at LSU? And how much ground do you have to make up? And it was a totally different team after the Auburn game. This team went 3-1 and one in games that were settled by one score. Let me just say this, winning close games to me is the mark of a great culture. Now next year, there's going to be expectations to do what you did this past year. Make the SEC title game. Compete for the college football playoff. Win the SEC. Those are all going to be things they expect next year. Like I said, you made the SEC title game this year, didn't win it. But that's fine. That's year one. That's okay we don't win the SEC title game in year one, right? Very gracious of you. For those of you in Baton Rouge, the expectations are to win a national title. So you're ahead of schedule. Definitely ahead of schedule. Ten games. Phenomenal. But... We want to see some more ROI going forward. The, the, the mulligan year is gone. Take a step back in year two. I think we need to be cautious how we approach that if that does happen. Because I don't think it's down on Brian Kelly. I don't think it's down on LSU. But you set the bar very, very high. Definitely ahead of schedule in Baton Rouge. If you're not yet subscribed, would love to have you at the party. College football content every single day. We get to share this great game together. It's a community. I wholeheartedly believe that. We got a mic, we got cameras, we got Nick Break running the show. This is a college football community that y'all have allowed us to cultivate. So let's keep this thing rolling. Also, follow me on the socials at JD Pakel on Twitter and on Instagram. Next coach up, 
Brent Venables, this is a first-time head coach, was a D.C. at Clemson for a very long time, had a lot of success, took over the reins at Oklahoma. The grade for, for, for Brent Venables at Oklahoma is time to swim. It's time to swim at Oklahoma. You went 6-7 and seven last year. You made a bowl game. You were treading water a lot in 2022. You're headed to the SEC here very, very soon. It's time to swim. And now treading water is great. When you're treading water, you will not drown by nature of that phrase, okay? By treading water, you're staying afloat. But it's not going to be good enough just to float in the coming years. With the way the SEC is, with, the, with the, the freak shows that you have in the trenches there, at linebacker, at running back, like you need to be at a level where Oklahoma is humming as you get into the SEC. You need to make Oklahoma a destination for high school recruits, for transfer portal guys. Currently have a top 10 recruiting class, but it's time to swim. It's time to swim. Now, from a culture standpoint, I believe they have created belief, which is the price of admission to winning. Needless to say. The reason why I say that, you had a guy in Dylan Gabriel who could have likely taken his talents elsewhere, whether it was the NFL or transferred somewhere else and don't know exactly his eligibility standing, but he had one more year and he decided to come back to Oklahoma after they won six games. It wasn't like they got to the college football playoff and he's like, man, one more year. Let's do this thing. One more year. Let's go win a national title. Came back to a team that was barely bowl eligible, that went toe-to-toe -to -toe with a top 10 team in the Cheez it Bowl. Said, let's run it back. So that belief from your leader I think reflects what's going on internally at Oklahoma, which is a very good sign. The grade for Billy Napier, another six and seven year that we're breaking down here as Brent Venables was just six and seven. Billy Napier at Florida for me, the grade for him is let it bake. Went six and seven, but I don't think we're fully seeing his Florida program just yet. It's taken some time, but we forget so quickly how much inner turmoil, how much wasn't at Florida when he got there. Now he's doing, I think, everything that he can in his power to get Florida to being the program he expects it to be and the program that we all expect it to be. But he inherited some issues depth-wise. He had a quarterback that was extremely talented. AR is phenomenal in every sense of the world. From, from, from what you get from the good Lord, he gave it all to AR. Okay, The things that you can't teach, he had those. Now with that being said, there was a lot of times where you were pulling your hair out watching AR. There was a lot of times where you were saying, why, is, why are we getting Utah AR one game? We're getting Missouri AR the next. You weren't sure what you were going to get from him consistently. So if you plug in a consistent quarterback, I think you got a shot. I expect them to be active in the transfer portal. I expect them to continue to push forward on the recruiting trail. And they have two of the best young backs in America. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a victim of this moment right now with Florida. They didn't finish the season well at all. Got drugged in the game against, Florida, against Oregon State. But I, I wouldn't be a victim of the, the moment from that game and the Jaden Rashada stuff that's going on right now. Let it bake a little bit. Give it some time. Billy Napier, for me, gets a let it bake kind of grade. Next on the list, next report card to hand out, Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame. Folks, they went 9-4. and four. How many of you would have guessed that after they lost to Marshall? Started the year 0-2. The grade for Marcus Freeman is, quote, they had us in the first half. I ain't gonna lie, they had us in the first half. Y'all know that vine. If you know that vine, appreciate you. Started out 0-2. They beat Clemson. Have a top 10 recruiting class right now at the time of us being live. And y'all, they won nine games, eight in the regular season, mostly with a backup quarterback. 
Tyler Buckner goes down early to say, Drew Pine, here's the car. Don't crash, brother. All you did was play complimentary football. Found a way to do what was needed in year one under Marcus Freeman to win nine games. Allowed 23 a game. Ran the football close to 200 yards a game. They were a tough team. They had an edge about themselves. Plug in Sam Hartman next year. The expectations are high, and they should be. The schedule isn't easy, but they're going to want to see something. They're going to want to see something. But going back to the report card of this whole thing, I was very impressed with how this team responded. Would have been extremely easy to mail it in after you start 0-2 and you lose to Marshall and everyone is making you the punchline of a joke on Twitter and you're a meme, whatever. Win nine games. Silencer. I'm very excited for Marcus Freeman. First time being a head coach, I truly believe he's going to get that thing headed in the right direction. I very much do. So Marcus Freeman, for us, the bake is they had us in the first half, not in the second. Lincoln Riley. The grade for me is fully calibrated. I wouldn't mean by that. USC fans, the college football public in general, was very disappointed and surprised and amused in some sense by how they finished the year with the loss in the Cotton Bowl 2-2 lane. We're all saying, oh my gosh, did you see that? Holy cow, what are they doing at USC? Well, before the year, they didn't make a bowl. Last year, before Lincoln Riley got there, they hadn't even made a bowl game. And so I think we all are now on the same page of what USC is. Because there were still some of us, myself included, that were holding our breath a little bit about USC. Tons of talent, but how quickly do they put it together? How quickly does it all mesh? Well, they meshed really quickly this year, and they won 11 games, went 11-3. and three. They were a game away from playing in the college football playoff. Ran into the buzzsaw that was Utah that day. That's just the way that it goes. But I think for, for Lincoln Riley, he has got a really unique window with a generational talent and Caleb Williams on campus for one more year. Let's not kid ourselves. This is going to be the last time we get to see Caleb Williams playing for USC this coming season, probably going pro after that. You got to get the big boys. You got to get the big boys because we saw in all these different games, USC get pushed around against Tulane and against Utah. You got to get the big boys. And seven of the 11 transfers they have right now are trench players from the offensive or defensive line or a linebacker, whatever it is, players that are going to contribute to that edge that they have. So I'm excited about USC. But if they were to win six games next year, everyone would say, what a failure of a season. If they won six games this year, it would still feel a little bit funky, but you would have the, the thought, well, hey, they missed a bowl game last year. Good for them. We're all on the same page about USC. We are all calibrated to the correct expectations for what is supposed to happen in Los Angeles under Lincoln Riley. So congratulations, Lincoln Riley, on your grade, fully calibrated. That is passing, by the way, folks. That is a passing grade. The last one, I'll be brief on this because I don't know there's a ton to unpack, but Mario Cristobal from Miami. They went five and seven. The grade that I'm giving Mario Cristobal in Miami is you got termites. Say, J.D., that is the most bizarre grade I've ever gotten. I've never gotten that on a, on a paper. You've got termites. If I did, it feels more like a secret message. Here's what I mean by that. When a house has termites, it's bad. It's bad news. That means the foundation of your house, the foundation of your program, is being affected. It's not stable. Doesn't mean you sell the house. Doesn't mean you burn the house. It's kind of embarrassing. You put a big tent over your house. Looks like the circus is in town. It takes time. It takes time, and I think Mario Cristobal's foundation of his program had termites last year. 
There was cultural issues. There was roster issues. I believe there was things on staff that were issues. Like you have termites just eating away at what you're trying to build. And so you have to exterminate all of that before you can move forward. Mario Cristobal is made of the right stuff. Don't get it twisted. Mario Cristobal is what Miami needs. Now, will it work is dependent on how much time and resources they give him and how bought in he's able to get this program. How bought in can this locker room be to his way of doing things? Because we've seen it work. We've seen him have success. There was just some embarrassing moments this past year that go back to the whole termite metaphor. There were some moments where you're trying to fix it. You got the big 10 over your house. It's got wild colors on it. Losing to Middle Tennessee. Not a good feeling. Not how you want it to go. But I do believe that once they get those termites out of there, then Mario Cristobal can start to build. So that's our first-year coaches. Again, Brian Kelly, head of schedule. Brent Venables, it's time to swim, brother. Going to the SEC soon. It's time to swim. Billy Napier, let it bake a little bit. Don't be a victim of this moment. Let it bake a little bit. They've got some talent on that roster. They're going to go ahead and add some depth to that roster. Give them time. Marcus Freeman had us in the first half, but we won nine games. Very excited about him, especially being paired with Sam Hartman. Lincoln Riley getting the whole operation fully calibrated in Los Angeles. And for Mario Cristobal, again, we got termites, but we're going to get that foundation sorted out after we exterminate those accordingly. All right. Report card season, always fun. Always fun to take a look at what was in 2022, where you were right, where you were wrong, all that. But as we get more and more into the new year, we got to look ahead. Got to look ahead at what's coming for us here soon. And Ole Miss has done exactly that. We'll start here. Three is a crowd, is it not? Well, Ole Miss now has three transfer portal quarterbacks in that position room. You got Walker Howard from LSU, four years of eligibility. You got Spencer Sanders, who just moments ago, it feels like, jumped in the portal and is now headed to Oxford, Mississippi, committed today at home of us being live, committed today. And you also have Jackson Dart, who transferred from USC a year ago, started the games last year for you, and now you got some other company in there for him. He's got two years left. Spencer Sanders has one year, so you got some options here, sort of, but it's going to be interesting to, to see how they play this whole thing. Because Spencer Sanders, like I said, one year left, don't think he came there to sit. Don't think he came there with the impression he was going to go there and, and have to ride the pine. He's got one year trying to help his NFL draft stock. Let's do this thing, man. That's the approach I believe you have for Spencer Sanders. But really quickly, if you're not yet locked in with us, if you're not yet subscribed, would love to have you part of this community. Y'all, what makes this special? This back and forth, this interaction we have, that's what makes this special. So if you're not yet subscribed, we would love to have you. Also, follow me on the socials at Judy Paquel on Twitter and on Instagram. we got content for you every single day. We're live as we are right now in Living Color at 1 Central and 2 Eastern on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Roll party roll. What does this mean? What does it mean to have Walker Howard and Spencer Sanders join your program via the transfer portal to be in the quarterback room for you? What does it mean? Well, this isn't novel. This isn't breaking news. But it means you're not thrilled with what you already have in-house. It means that you feel like there might need to be some adjustments to that quarterback position. Now, it could mean that you are trying to get Jackson Dart out of there. Hey, brother, we're running two transfer quarterbacks. It means that we're looking elsewhere. I think that's probably the more extreme case. I don't know if I buy that. Jackson Dart, 20 touchdowns, 11 interceptions last year. 
wasn't an abysmal year by any stretch of the imagination. You would want more from him. I think what we're looking at here is you are trying to stoke the fires of competition a little bit. You're trying to, to get the, the best out of him, best out of Spencer Sanders, let these two horses go at it in spring. We'll go from there. What I think is going to happen is exactly that. You have Spencer Sanders and Jackson Dart battle it out in the spring. Walker Howard has four years left of eligibility. I don't believe he's going to be the guy that starts for you this year. Could be wrong. I think you go Spencer Sanders, Jackson Dart, go back and forth at the end of spring. Because, again, they can't jump in the portal right now. The portal is closed. It closed yesterday. At the end of spring, whoever ends up winning that competition, it's QB1, obviously. Whoever loses likely seeks for greener pastures. Now, that would affect Spencer Sanders a little bit more as he has one year left, stakes a little bit higher. Jackson Dart could say, all right, I'll wait one more year and be the guy again next year. But that's how I see this whole thing shaking out. Now, this is the crazy thing. In the world of college football, that you just added two transfer quarterbacks in a matter of 48 hours. I mean, years ago, that would have just been a fairy tale. That would have been nonsense. Right now, with player mobility, you can make moves for yourself, make moves for your draft stock, make moves for your future. And a lot of us, I mean, you know how I feel about this if you watch this show. You know that I think there is a lot of negative that comes to player mobility. But honestly, what is college for? College is for getting better and preparing yourself to do whatever you want to do professionally. You want to be on Wall Street? Well, guess what? You'd find the best finance program you have. You give your all to it. You work hard to get to the pros. Same thing with this. Same thing with college football. I give my all to my craft. I go hard at the place that is best for me, the best development program for me, with hopes to play in the pros. So in that sense, I love it. I love this for Walker Howard. I love this for Spencer Sanders. Jackson Dart, I love it for him too. The same thing, why he came to Ole Miss in the first place. So that's how I see that shaking out. But I'm, uh, I'm excited to watch these guys get after it. Lane Kiffin, I think, should get some sort of praise for this. Because when people have seen, people, I mean coaches, have seen headaches, Lane Kiffin's seen opportunity. A lot of coaches at first were saying the portal's bad and this needs to happen differently and we're not excited about this. They have pushed the envelope. And they have done a phenomenal job adapting quicker than I think a lot of other programs have and why they've been as successful as they have at Ole Miss. So, I mean, I think they've seen opportunity. They've taken advantage of it. And for Lane Kiffin, he should be commended, especially if this works out in the sense that you get the best out of Jackson Dart or the best out of Spencer Sanders or Walker Howard for that matter. Competition breeds excellence for those that are winners. So my thoughts on the Ole Miss quarterback room, three is a crowd, but very, very interested to see how this whole thing shakes out. All right. As we roll on here, welcome in the man, the myth, the legend, heavy lifter extraordinaire, keeper of the queue. Nick, heavy lifter break. How we doing, my guy? What's going on today on, uh, on the Twitter sphere? Doing good. I got to get rid of that uh, Ole Miss logo first. Okay, there we go. There you go. Got it. Got it, got it away. Okay. And JD, it is time uh, to join. Do, do, do the, you join the party? Let's do it, man. Y'all join the party. You know what it is. You can tell I'm not the on-air talent here. Okay, Buffalo Soldier <laughs> at Prime on Pearl. Are there any G5 schools looking to move to the Power 5 soon? that need to perform next season. I'd love to say the Hilltoppers. The Hilltop, yeah. You know what? I think what you're looking at here is UCF headed to the Big 12. 
I want to see something from the from the the Knights, not the Golden Knights, but I want to see something from the Knights this coming year, which is making me feel better about them as they move into the Big 12 here very very soon. But great question, Buffalo Soldier. Love it, brother. Love okay. it. Next up, JD. How about this one? Let's do it. This is kind of along the same lines. Bryce Mill or Bryce Mills, excuse me, out of T- Cincy, BYU, Houston, and the team you just mentioned, UCF. Which are coming to the Big 12? Who do you think is best equipped to win consistently at you know in the Big 12 and at the Power Five level? And which quote program? There it is, baby. Yeah, you dropped it. Uh, do you think will adjust the best? The program. No, that's great, Nick. I think that's that's phenomenal. Honestly, UCF being in the state of Florida, so talent rich, so much they can they can go and recruit with all the best players in their backyard. I think UCF Nick is in the best spot to be successful. No, I, I love it, Nick. I appreciate it, man. I think that's, that's a great place to stop right there. We appreciate you watching us, man. This is The Hard Count. We're live on Tuesdays. We're live on Thursdays, 1 Central, 2 Eastern. This is The People's Show. Nick, break, lift, and heavy. This is y'all's operation. This is a show. Yes, we got a mic. We got cameras. We got a set. This is a community. We all love this sport so much, and we get to talk about it every single day. That's why it's a beautiful thing. So come join the party, join the community, subscribe, and let's just keep building this thing forward. We're going to continue to get after it. We're going to keep the party rolling. We will see y'all next time.